All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck nicks? What the fuckeristas? What is happening? What is happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. How's it going? Where are we at? Uh, Clifton Collins Jr. is my guest today. Now, look, you'll know him if you look him up. He's been in a lot of movies, Traffic, Capote, Westworld, Pacific Rim, Nightmare Alley. The guy is like a legit and working character actor who I've always liked, and I think he's an incredible actor. I'm always engaged by him. But he did this movie that I saw uh, called Jockey, and it's sort of what made me want to talk to him. I don't know how or why I saw it, but I watched it, and it's about a jockey. And we booked him on that, and then the day he was coming over, he had a bike accident and was injured, and now he's here. And he's an intense guy with an interesting story that goes way back in Hollywood, the glorious days of Hollywood. It's it's very strange about old Hollywood. You know, my my girlfriend Kit lives in an old Hollywood building, and um, and and one of my favorite Hollywood historians. Mr. Cliff Nesteroff happens to live in the same building, which I didn't know. And it completely makes sense. It's a particular area of, of, of Hollywood, of L.A., that really is probably the most old Hollywood-ish of the old Hollywoods. And there used to be a whole bunch of people that were kind of obsessed with old Hollywood. And, and I was kind of halfway there. But it seems to be a dying nerdism. There, I think there was a, a very specific nerdism that revolved around old Hollywood, old Hollywood, old Hollywood movies. And, uh, and it doesn't seem to be as many as there used to be. But it is kind of fascinating. You, you, you know, the way that the word Hollywood is thrown around today, it's, uh, it never indicates anything good on either side, oddly. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, the birth of this business, of show business, and the creation of this illusion factory and this dream machine and this, you know, this sort of, like, artistic haven is kind of fascinating. And I I, I don't know, you know, I, it's all going to be gone. No one's going to... No one's going to eventually care anymore, but it's pretty fascinating. That was sort of what was fascinating talking to Clifton because he sort of comes from it, but in a very specific way. It was a very uh, interesting conversation, and I, and I like the guy. Look, for those of you uh, in L.A. here, I'm at Largo this Saturday. I'm doing uh, the Mark Has Friends Over to do music and comedy. The band is playing. We got a nice lineup of songs that I'm going to attempt to try. We've got the comedy of Willie Simon and Ali Colbert. Uh, the band and I are going to try to. We're going to do. Uh, we seem to be in a zone right now. I'm going to attempt um, a song by the Velvet Underground that's not as known as their other ones called "I Guess I'm Falling in Love," and I'm going to do. Uh, he stopped loving her today, which I'm very nervous about the Georgia Jones song, which you shouldn't even attempt. But I'm going to do it. We're going to do a Credence tune. We're going to do up around the bend because that that song, more than almost any other song, uh, seared itself into my brain when I was a very young guy, uh, probably like seven or eight, maybe in the basement with my parents' old Iowa uh, cassette player that had detachable speakers and a box of cassette tapes that they didn't use anymore because they'd moved on to reel to reel and records upstairs and i had that box of records man and cosmos factory was in there bobby gentry's greatest hits was in there 
Johnny Cash, Live at San Quentin. That was in that box. Jerry Vale's greatest hits. But man, that opening riff of Up Around the Bend just seared its way into my deepest consciousness. And I still love it. And I don't know if I can nail that riff. We're actually going to play it together, me and Jason. But we're going to try that song. Um, We're going to do Before You Accuse Me. I'd like to think we're doing the Bo Diddley version or the Credence version and not the uh, Eric Clapton version, but he sort of kind of owned that song on his Unplugged, but it's a great song. We're going to reprise, is that how you say it? We're going to do Warf Rat again, my favorite Grateful Dead song, Little Psychedelic Journey. The reason we're going to do that song is because when my drummer, Ned, uh, got the song to learn it, he was like, I thought it was the most boring thing I ever heard. And for some reason, when we played it, he was like, oh my God. That was wild. Like, we got out there. It's like a portal into a psychedelic zone, which is what the dead is. But for some reason, that song, in my mind and in my heart, does that. And when we play it, it did it, too. So we're going to try it again. We'll probably do No Fun by the Stooges. And then we might open with a riff that we pulled from a status quo song. I don't think I'll sing the song. We're just going to do a blues jam because that's what I am, I guess. I'm a, an, an older man who's got a, a bunch of guys I play with, but we're doing cool songs. But you got to, you know, got to throw a blues jam in, don't you? Don't you? And I, I think something's happened recently that, that I think I'm happy about. I, it's happened a couple of times. I think I've crossed some threshold as I transition into a, an older man here that I'm not, I'm not unhappy about. Like I did, I told you I did uh, Heidegger's podcast and then somebody had tweeted something that they said that uh, I love seeing Marin. He's such a character. And I was like, finally, finally, I'm a character. That means I'm, I have definition that I don't always see myself, but I has, I think it has something to do with age and something to do with being more sort of at home in my skin and more something to do, and, and has something to do with me being unavoidably me, which I don't think I've noticed before, or I don't think I ever was, but it seems to have sort of settled in. Because Eric Griffin, the other night at the comedy store, he said, he was like, you, you should do a, a, a host a talk show like on TV or something. And I'm like, no, no one does that anymore, and we're good. But he's like, but you're, you're just such a character. And I'm like, oh my God, that's twice. That's twice in like a week. And part of me is really kind of, like, wow, am I, have it, has it finally happened? Am I finally a character? I, I hope so. I've been waiting to be a character my entire life. And maybe it's here. Maybe I'm at the right age for it. This is where you, you move into your character years. I'm, I'm beginning my character years. Did I mention I'm back at Dynasty Typewriter on July 11th, 18th, and 25th? Those are all Tuesdays. You can go to WTFPod.com for tickets for those. So look, again, Clifton Collins Jr. was uh, supposed to be here a while back, but it was a delayed booking because of the bike accident that he literally had on the day he was supposed to come over. And when he finally came over, we got in it. And uh, it's quite a story. And he's quite an actor. So this is me talking to Clifton. Where did I see you last? Pull that mic into your face. It was at uh, Houdini's house. 
Oh, right, for that. <laughs> what, what were we doing there? It was a, an event. It was a celebration. It was like a, a network did it, right? Was it? It was for a film, was it not? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I was I was doing press for Chalky at the time. I feel like it was a, a party for a couple of movies under one. That's what it feels like. Yeah. It was a big deal. It kind of what it was like. Yeah, it, was it was fun. It was pretty fun. I, that house was kind of wild. I love that house. You do? Yeah, I've had a couple parties there. Yeah, I mean, not me personally, but I've You've been, been to. to. Oh yeah. It seems a little worn down. You know, like half a museum, half an event. <laughs> you know, like an event hall. You know how things just be- the way they set that one up. Yeah, but yeah. What, what I went to before was actually, I think, a birthday party. So it yeah. very, felt much more intimate. Oh right, right. So it felt because, more like a house party. Oh okay, because you can kind of wander around, and there's rooms that look like museum rooms, almost like Houdini rooms. Mm-hmm. It just looks a little worn down. You know when places are like hotels or or cool places are cool at the beginning, but then too many weddings happen. Yes, sir. And they just take the soul out of the place. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> just weddings just suck the energy out. How'd you, how'd you get all fucked up? Uh, uh, I, I <laughs> this buddy of mine named Mr. Cartoon got, yeah. got me back into BMX bikes. Yeah, well, there's 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 two wet red flags. <laughs> Mr. Cartoon got me into BMX bikes again in my fifties. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that should have been. And it, it gets worse from there because yeah. everybody thinks I was jumping cars or doing some crazy yeah. stunt, and I was not. Sadly, I I just and I didn't even end though. I just just plowed in front of my my driveway going to the gym. I was like, I'll just get a nice little little comfy bike yeah. ride on my red line yeah. to the gym which is only two blocks no so I, I feel like a douchebag driving a 911 like here's my 911 yeah. two blocks yeah I'm like ah oh, let me ride the red line yeah and I, I went up to crank here really big and i stood up like you did like a teenager sure yeah and, and then yeah. because it's a freestyle bike as i started yeah. to go over the speed bump it wasn't quite over the 90 degree angle and it went backwards oh and okay. i was standing yeah oh, so, so the whole back. way just go ow, straight to the bottom what'd you break I, it was a, 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 a cracked the bone. Which one? Uh, uh, that's a good question. A leg? I, I wouldn't look at the x-ray. <laughs> oh. Is it a leg? <laughs> yeah. My, um, it was cracked. The, the ligament wasn't torn. The, yeah. Actually, the ligament tore, broke the bone. Yeah. It stuck to it. So, but it's it's in place right now, and it's all healing, and I'm, I'm really close. I mean, I got a brace, but yeah. we expect to, um, we're hoping to get it be completely back to regular walking in yeah. by the 14th. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Don't, yeah. uh, don't, don't uh, do anything weird and dumb in at a certain age <laughs> thank you yeah i mean i i hike and stuff but i see guys up there like lately because i'll run down the hill you know but like you start to realize so oh, you're very fragile you get to certain you know you're gonna break a hip you know it's a joke but we're, we're at the hip breaking point now i am anyways i don't know how old you are i'm 50 i'll be 53 in june yeah so we're, we're in hip breaking zone but but even go back even before that yeah. it's like think about like when i did Tigerland with schumacher colin farrell's first film it's yeah. like i was the oldest guy because i've looked the youngest right. my whole family's like down the mexican yeah. side yeah and i was, I was doing the, the boot camp well, yeah. I, I knew i had to do boot camp i'd already done boot camp for dead presidents yeah so i was like hell i can't look like an old guy even yeah, though i yeah. am the oldest so let me start pre-boot camp at home yeah so uh, going hiking high in griffith park and all these other places with, yeah. with the 20 pounds on my back oh really and next thing you know like you said i'm starting to injure myself because i'm pushing myself not i'm not a, a boot camp trainer i'm just doing things that i know i did in boot camp so i had to go back to my therapist and, and tighten me up before i actually hit the real boot a camp. therapist a therapist you mean is PT, that like a trainer a physical therapist oh really yeah so you're like you've always been sort of a, a, an immersive actor. Yeah, you do the whole thing. Yeah, you do your own stunts sometimes. Not all the time. All the time. A damn damn near. I mean, I'm I'm 
I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty good at it. I've, yeah. I've been doing martial arts since I was like 14. Yeah. So fighting's a natural thing. I started Muay Thai in 1987. Really? Yeah, before people even knew what Muay Thai was. Yeah. So from, from Taekwondo, American freestyle, Muay Thai, all kinds of weapons, nunchaku, staff, bow, stars. You can you do it? it? You can oh, do yeah. stars? Oh, throwing stars, a belly song. If you had a belly song, right? So I'm not even sure I know what that is. Oh, uh, the throwing stars? I know what throwing stars oh, yeah. are because I remember Kung Fu yeah, when the, I was a little kid. Oh, with David Carradine. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> the the belly song, Butterfly Knives. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do those? Oh, my God. Yeah. Nunchucks? Yeah. Nunchucks? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. So why don't you, how come, have you done any major martial arts movies? I've been wanting to for a long, I got really close <laughs> on a few. You better get it in now, buddy. No shit. <laughs> you are not lying. Yeah. Well, I, Time's running out for the martial arts movie. It's interesting. I've had a few mentors yeah. recently talk to me about not doing my stunts. Just at, one can allege it's Who? random. Uh, Sam Jackson. Yeah. Oh, uh, you guys are pals? Oh, he's he's a father figure to me. He's, really, he's a, a dear, dear. Yeah, he's the closest thing I got to a dad. Well, how'd you uh, like? How'd you meet him? Like, which movie? I did one eight seven with Kevin Reynolds. Like, you know, you're one of these guys where you're you're you know a real character actor, and you've done a million movies. So everybody sort of knows you. I look, like I just look different. I have to profile people. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, but people must come up to you all the time, like, "Oh, you're you're that guy." That guy. Yeah, nine out of ten times, it's like you're that scary guy, right? <laughs> well, you can tell by the look in their eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which movie they know you <laughs> They're from? They're very respectful. <laughs> I don't get like I was. I forget when they were. Uh, Mila Kudis and I were going to get some coffee and we were yeah. just walking and talking shop and stuff. And she's got the crazy fans because yeah. of her TV show sure. back in the day. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It was around that time. And then my fans were always very respectful and oftentimes like, you know, ex-convicts or big motherfuckers. You know From what, what, I mean? what movies do you think it was? Well, what when it's one? that case, it's usually like the 187s yeah. or the triple nines or yeah. the crank two. Right. Or, do all of them uh, have uh, numbers in the title? They're all. <laughs> 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 Some wish. Um, they're, they're pretty, yeah. uh, the, just the more violent ones. Yeah, yeah. Dirty about when yeah. I played a, it was a Rampart police scandal. Okay. That I did with Cuba Gooding. Yeah. Yeah. So it's such a big and uh, vast career you've got going there. But so, but Sam Jackson. So, so I, I uh, you know, this is a movie, as you know, uh, it's very rare to shoot in sequence. Oh, yeah. Uh, meaning from beginning to end, like page one to the end. This is 187? Yeah. Yeah. And um, this one we shot in sequence. Yeah. So we had uh, two weeks of rehearsal. Um, so you get to grow as not only as, as actors and as friends, but you get to grow as the character yeah. in the film and sure. the story. Yeah. Um, and then by the very end, like I, I think two days before uh, the, the big finale yeah. scene where we're, we've got guns to our head playing Russian roulette, I, right. I, I had to bury my father to a uh, suicide. You're... Your dad killed himself? Mm -hmm. Hung himself in a closet. So I oh had my to. God. Uh, so to have a gun to your head two days after you buried him is a very surreal yeah. thing. And you're going toe to toe with somebody you admire, respect, look up to. Jackson. And, and yeah. you're learning from as much as yeah. you can. I mean, I stopped smoking weed for that film. Yeah. Oh, on day five of rehearsal, he gave me a spanking. I grabbed my bong and I cleaned it out with 420 and I put fresh water and I went yeah. and bought flowers at the gas station. Yeah. And I was like, I love you, but for the next three months, you are now a vase. And I put it on top of my fridge with flowers <laughs> and it stayed there till the end. Because Sam told you not to be smoking? Not at all. I just saw how badass he was. He, he knows everybody's lines. Yeah. He reads the script three times. He knows everything. Yeah. Camera moving everywhere. 
everywhere and on. So he paced himself four days of rehearsal. Yeah. On the fifth day of rehearsal was the big finale. And the monologues, the original monologues were even bigger than what ended up in the movie. Yeah. And I watched Samuel just sit there and look at, well, he put his head down. He wasn't, I could tell he, for the first time I was looking at Samuel, yeah. I'm like, wow, he's not paying attention to anybody now. Yeah. He's like just looking down at this grid. And I said, yeah. okay, well, I got a 357. I said, hey, Sam, I just want, hey, just want to show you it's all clear. And he wasn't looking at me. Yeah. He's totally ignoring me. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just psych ops. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I knew what was going on. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> so I was like, I said, okay. I said, all right, bro, what, what's clean? I said, clack. I closed it. I got, you know, you hold the sides in your hands. You're fumbling through it. It's rehearsal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Samuel, and then Kevin goes, hey, you guys ready? And then Samuel goes, picks up the sides and just throws them on the floor. And he goes, yeah, man. I was like, oh, fuck. I'm holding my sides and my little freaking 357 like a little girl. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, uh, okay. You got bigger speeches than me, but okay. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, duh, hey, Mr. G. Duh, duh, duh. And he just goes, I was a teacher. And his eyes are like, he, so Samuel can control this eye and this eye from crying. Oh, yeah. He can drop one tear, two tears, three Come tears. On. I swear to God. Yeah. Ask him yourself. Yeah. Um, there's a hey, John Barrymore could do it. Uh, uh, and Sam Jackson can do it. John Barrymore, that's a yes, deep sir. reference. Yeah, I, I come from deep roots. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, 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 yeah, so Samuel was literally holding the tears, and, and I was so captivated and mesmerized. I was yeah. like, I just wanted to apologize for breaking into this. I'm so sorry. Here, I'm sorry, Mr. G. I didn't mean to be a bad student. Yeah. But that's not what the dialogue says. So right. I, I had to stick to the dialogue. <laughs> right. But then also I wanted to step out and just watch the motherfucker act. And yeah. I was like, holy shit, this is magic. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I'm like, boom. And then when it was over, like five pages, it's very intense. Yeah. And then Kevin Rose, all right, man. He goes, uh, what'd you think? I said, what do you mean? What do I think? <laughs> did, did you, uh, Kevin, didn't you just see what happened? Yeah. He chewed me up and spit me out. Yeah. I, I says, well, what do you want to do? I said, can I please just have like, can you please just give me five, uh, 10 minutes? Or yeah. 10 would be great. Before, I'll, that, I'll, before you went action. I, well, I just, well, this is just rehearsals. Yeah. We're not even on, on oh. Warner Brothers yet. We're oh, really? in a little room. Oh. Yeah. This is just day five of rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, yo, Kev, please, can I just please go outside? He goes, he goes, yeah. I said, I, I just, look, I know it's rehearsals, but I, I'm not going to, look, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to be by his side in this scene today. It's not. Yeah. I'll be happy just to see the bottom of his souls as he yeah. runs way ahead of me. Yeah. <laughs> but if, at least we'll get some work done. Right. Because this is just making me go home and clean my ball and turn it into a vase. Yeah. Because <laughs> I need three extra brain cells, five, ten, one. I don't care. Yeah. I just, I, look, I don't know how many extra brain cells. I'll take one. If it's one, I'll yeah. take it. So that built the relationship. How did how did Samuel you know handle the, the situation around your father dying? He was uh, hey, I make one phone call, I take care of everything for you. Really? Yeah. In terms of like uh, like a funeral a funeral burial oh, all of no that. Shit. And he was a veteran, so we yeah. had a veterans war. And I felt that I I, I had to try to be a man and handle this. Yeah. I'm a Clifton Collins Jr. Yeah. Even though at that time I was I had I was carrying my grandfather's name for for film Gonzalez Gonzalez. Double Gonzalez. Yes, sir. So, but. What was your relationship with your father? Um, at that particular time, I, I hadn't been speaking to him for probably three and a half, four months. Really? Yeah, my sister and I would alternate. Yeah, because he Just was an, two of you? He was an alcoholic. When I'd gotten this role, I, I had to like like three or four callbacks. You know, you get yeah. another callback and you get another callback. Right, sure. And like, oh my God, I'm that much closer. You get another callback. Like, what, another callback? Three? Yeah, yeah. You know, like a four? 
car? Right. Like, this is ridiculous. It, it must be down to me and one other guy or yeah. something. You just don't know. Yeah. Um, and then I finally told my dad that I got it. He goes, and he, he was depressed. He was like, oh, that's nothing, son. It's, it's, that's just, you know what? I'm like, Dad, I worked so hard for this. This yeah. is like a lead off. This is Sam Jackson who's yeah. coming off Pulfix. I don't know who that is, son. They're like, yeah, but he's huge. This is yeah. like, everybody's watching. He goes, yeah, that's just, that's nothing, son. Da, 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 da. Oh, really? I was like, I, I, I can't have this negative input when I worked so hard for this. And you know but, this is my, my life. This is what I love to do. But did, was that your whole life with the diminishing not, not, business? No, just for this particular film. I think his own personal life was in, um, he was just getting to a depressed stage. What was your, what was your, but you, now it, it was his father that was the actor? Well, uh, no, no, that was my mother. Oh, so your dad was like. He was Colin Sr. Okay. And, yeah. and, but your whole life he was just a, a boozer? Oh, yeah, for sure. Was your parents uh, together? They were together. Uh, he left when I was eight years old. Oh. That was my, that's the earliest childhood memory I have, is him leaving. Really? Yeah. And, it's usually the traumatic episode, the earliest trauma that you have Sure, your of course. Yeah. And, and, but, you, but you stayed in touch with him? Oh, he yeah. He was around? He was. Yeah? Um, um, he went to prison for a year for um, uh, manslaughter. What? Yeah. Yeah, did a year for manslaughter. That doesn't seem like a long time to do for manslaughter. He was white. Oh. White in the seventies. <laughs> did he kill the guy? <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> what was that about? He was just drunk driving. Oh, that's terrible. And, and the dude he killed was rich. He was and my, uh, my my dad was not. He lived in a trailer park. Really? Yeah. And he had a genius IQ. He was insanely smart. And very Your dad witty. was? Yeah. He just squandered it. What? Where, where does he come from? He came from around here. He, he grew up here. Yeah, Culver City. Culver City. Went to Culver High with my mom. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, my grandparent, my grandparents were, were probably, in all honesty, probably the first Mexicans to own land in Culver City because it was against the law for Mexicans to own uh, land in, uh, I think, up until 68. So that's your mom's family? Yeah, and um, John Wayne helped them uh, work that loophole. You always got to go to the higher-ups to... To John Wayne. If you got to go to John Wayne, that's, you know, doesn't get much higher than that. Nah, Duke, Not Duke, sure. next thing you know, Duke makes a call. Next thing you know, my grandpa owns the whole block, a house across the street, a house across the street, an apartment complex Duke. by Bad Veterans Park. Really? <laughs> Yeah, 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 apartment complex. He, he owned the whole, and his whole block had apartments that he owned. And the four garages that were meant for the apartments, he just filled with old cars. <laughs> really? <laughs> he loved working on old cars. So your mom's dad was like uh, a character actor as well, uh, uh, a, you know, a studio guy. He was like a, a legitimate vaudevillian, one of the first uh, studio. He was the first, I think, one of the uh, studio players, Latino. Right. And How'd your mom get r r tied up with your old dad? Uh, uh, Culver High. Oh, yeah. Oh, so they were high school sweethearts? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also, uh, to get out of the house, you had to get married. And that was, so she got married when she was a kid? She, was, she didn't want to get the fuck out of the house. Right. <laughs> she was like, I, and, and she's confessed, she's like, look, honestly, part of it was like, I just wanted to get out of the house. Yeah. I'm like, that doesn't help me. How old, how old was she when she had you? I think 25. Oh, okay. And my dad was a little younger. Yeah. Um, so your dad was just a, a boozy ne'er-do-well? He uh, uh, he was just a real smart, uh, he, he was boozy, drank a bunch. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there were, there were days where he'd uh, come to pick us up on a Saturday morning and just be shit plowed. My oh, grandma yeah. would be like, no, Kip, you're not, you're not really? taking the kids. And, really? Oh, yeah. My grandma, my, my, he got pulled over two blocks in a residential neighborhood in the 70s for not wearing a seatbelt. Mm. So you know you got to be driving squirrely in a residential area to get over. in the 70s? Yeah. <laughs> what did he do for jobs? Uh, he, uh, printing, he worked in the printing printing industry. Yeah. 
of printing stuff. But then he learned how to work. I mean, he had a genius IQ, so he learned how to work the system yeah. and veteran benefits and all this other stuff. But then he would help people in the trailer park with their issues. And I, I feel like he had a stronger purpose whenever he was helping other people. Yeah. Because at his funeral, I had all these people coming up to me. He goes, he helped me with this. He helped me with that. Or the, they were trying to take my land. Or they yeah. were trying to take my trailer. They were trying to this. And your dad helped me get some money. And I was like, wow, he helped a lot of you guys. But he wasn't college educated or anything? No. Huh. Just knew numbers? He, he just he just knew how to work a lot of things. He was could he build gambler? stuff. Yes. Yeah? That, that, now that, that ties into Jockey because that ending speech in Jockey is very much my childhood with him because on those weekends that he did show up to pick us up because sometimes yeah. he just wouldn't show up and right. just leave us at our grandparents. Right, so. There's like one out of three times I'd say he wouldn't show up. Yeah. So uh, oftentimes my weekend would be just uh, uh, going across the street to the liquor store, pick, yeah. picking up racing forms. He taught me how to pick the horses, the yeah. weight, conditions, jockey, this, that. Um, he taught me all that. When you're how old? Nine. So you knew that shit. Yeah. Going into that movie, yeah. it was in your blood. Yeah. But yeah. you you weren't you weren't a jockey, but you understood the weight that was on jockeys. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For yeah. sure. One hundred. Yeah. So he would get a, a couple things of booze. Um, he'd meet his other trailer park friends from yeah. various trailer parks, and then we'd walk to Hollywood Park. Yeah. He lived in Inglewood. Yeah. And we'd walk. And that was like the day. Yeah. Him getting plowed with his friends while I'm gambling on a. Horse trying to win money because I really need dough at nine years old. Yeah. How'd you do? How'd he do? Was he good at it? Was I good at it? Well, no. well, at nine. I, I was the one picking the horses. Oh, you were? Yeah. Well, he taught me how to read the, the program. Oh, that's funny. He was just busy drinking with his friends. He'd sit there wide gambling. He'd bet a couple things, but yeah, I remember. I, I knew when he would win because we would have a, a good Christmas. My sister and I would get. Oh yeah, yeah, and that, I think that was on like one time. You know, the horses is such a classic, you know, uh, debauchery. You know, it's a classic gambling. Like you know, guys who like you know they go to the horses. I I don't have the gambling thing. I don't either. You know, but I, I wish I did because guys who like are like on the horse, they love it. But I mean, it destroys their life. But they love it. Yeah. Just go spend the day at the horse track. You know, I got to tell you, in, wow. in Northern Phoenix at, at Turf Paradise, um, it was really interesting. When you were shooting the movie? For sure. Yeah. It was a live track. Yeah. So we, we were shooting while there was real races going on. Oh, yeah. Um, and when you get into the VIP room. Yeah. It was like, wow, you guys spend all your money to be in this field. It's like Vegas minus the hot girls and minus the optimism of winning because <laughs> it's very drab and dismal. And yeah. You just feel like the dregs of humanity. Like later in the evening before the last race, you got the hardcore gamblers that gamble around the world on the TVs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah. Just so it's, it's just, There's no real food. It's very like. It's not a fun atmosphere. Oh, my God. It was like, her. Yeah, it's a it's a sickness, dude. But uh, but that movie was great. I mean, I, I I really thought it was a great film. Thank you, brother. And I thought it was deep. And I thought like you did like it looked like you did some fucking real work. I got dropped to one forty three. You I, wrote that movie? I wrote pieces of it. Yeah. I sat, I sat every morning and did rewrites with the director. And oh, okay. And that that whole monologue at the end, I, I rewrote that morning. Pulled it right from your dad. Well. It's funny because we, we were very consistent in the rewrites and the changes that we were doing up until the very end where I kept waiting. I was anxious, like, like we're well, we yeah. to get this rewrite. Like, we'd been talking about this. And then finally I get it, and it was a very different ending. There was no monologue. There was, yeah. It was uh, both of us losing and both of us. Both you, you and know, the not son. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, we're just washing it in silence. I'm like, that's so anticlimactic. But yeah. we didn't build the film for an anticlimactic. That's a very mechanical thing, that, and it's hard to pull off. Yeah. you got to be like a Petra Volpe 
Volpe or something like that. To pull so it I off. can't. The ending now is like a passing of the baton, kind of like it, right. Yeah, and that whole speech Oof. too. It's like I wrote six different versions of that speech from six thirty in six thirty in the morning to like eight fifteen a.m. And they're like, oh my god, can we take these? I got photos because they, they love it when they see yeah. shit all over the floor because they know I'm just like mad scientist. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh shit, Clinton's got some shit for us. Yeah. So. uh so they took, can we take it? Like, Please just take it, take it. And and out of that, they carved out, they took pieces and they put it into the monologue. And I read it and I'm like, oh, all this pays off and works. Let's, let's, go, yeah. let's go shoot and have a great day. So like it, it was one of those movies where it's tight, it's specific. Uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a movie about, you know, aging and about despair in a way uh, and about like, you know, whether a life was wasted or not. And then there's hope and then there isn't. And then, you know, but but to do it in that world, which is such an odd world, uh, to be a jockey, you know, what did you do? Did you go meet with jockeys? Cause oh, I spent every day with them. Yeah. Every day. Oh, I told them, I said, look. Are those real jockeys in the oh, movie? Oh, yeah, all of them. They're, yeah. they're just uh, Moises Arias, who's amazing, plays my son. And, he's a jockey? No, no, no. He's a fantastic actor. He's okay, been in yeah. a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah, he seems, he was real good, and, yeah. And, and my main girl, um... But everybody else was either they were all from the track. Yeah. Um, so I, I so the so day one and and I and and the, and this is my second film with Greg and Clint. Yeah. We did a Trans Pecos, who won the Audience Award at South yeah. by Southwest. Yeah. So they already knew how I flowed and how I did rewrites, and that's right. what they expected. This is the director and the producer. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Greg Quedar directed that one. Yeah. And Clint Bentley produced it. Yeah. And then on, on Jockey, they switched roles. Right. And, and Clint uh, directed and Greg produced. Yeah. Um, so I told, I told, uh, so they knew I'd want to be there early because that's just the way I roll. They knew I'd want to hang out. And we stayed at like a, a courtyard, Marriott, yeah. a real dingy place, which is perfect. You don't want to stay at a Four Seasons. That just doesn't fit with an No, no, no. You don't. And also budget-wise, it helps. Well, yeah, because we had 350 grand <laughs> yeah. for this movie. You can stay at the Marriott Courtyard. Yeah. You can, you can frame it however you want, but we're not paying for the other one. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I wouldn't want to stay there. Sure, um, I get it. And I, and I drove out there yeah. from L.A. To Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. And I brought my clothes. You said, Andy, bring your clothes, sure, you know, yeah. and, and all this stuff. So I, I, I brought all that stuff out, and I told uh, I told the jockeys, I said, look, man, no— you guys are probably fans of some of my stuff. Yeah. So I, I don't want you guys to be shy. I'm here to help you guys. Yeah. If you need me to shovel shit, wash your horse. Right. Anything you guys need me to do, I'm just going to be picking up game and hanging out. Was this the first time, like, you know, actively around horses? No. Uh, Westworld. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I did a I did a pilot where I was a jockey. I was a cartel owner. Yeah. And I owned up my own jockey, uh, my horse. Yeah. One of those thoroughbreds. Yeah. And that horse took off on me. Yeah. Yeah, that was a... What movie is that? It was a pilot that never oh. got picked up. Oh. Yeah. But so, all right, so you tell these jockeys, you know, I'm in, I'm of you, what, what, yeah. whatever I need. And what they, what they make you do? Were you shoveling shit pretty quick? Um, No, I think there were two. I just wanted the whole... I, I just didn't want to be viewed as a an actor. I want to be viewed as a like a friend and an employee yeah. or, or just right. a partner. Sure. And, and I'm there to help them. Yeah. And and if you want to hear some stories about a movie, please ask me. I'd love to share. Yeah. Like, don't be shy about anything. Did they? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What they want to hear about? Uh, I think Boondock Saints was a good one. Yeah. Crank 2 was a good one. Oh, what else came up? I think the one I remember the most is Traffic, Traffic. for some reason. Oh, yeah, that's a fun one, too. But that's heavy, man. Yeah. Yeah, Frankie Flowers, the gay assassin, and he was, yeah. he was not happy. Yeah. But like... <laughs> not gay, pre-gay. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it, you know, it was a crazy character. And, you know, when they beat you down, it, it, the way you played that was so devastating. 
It was, uh, I remember the AD coming to my trailer. Oh, yeah. Mr. Collins, we're getting ready to shoot this scene. I said, yes, I'm, I'm aware. Thank you. Yeah. He goes, how do you want to do it? And I says, what do you mean? I says, what do you want to wear? I said, well, the scene seat here says I'm naked in a chair. <laughs> right. Well, still, Stephen wants to know, uh, what do you want to wear? I'm like, the scene says I'm naked in the chair. <laughs> well, do you want a thong? Do you want a cover? No, it's Soderbergh. <laughs> yeah. I want to be naked. <laughs> you, know, you know, I want to be naked. I'm not, yeah. you know, this isn't. Uh, You're not afraid. You know, this isn't Magic Mike or anything. He's yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I'm let's let's make this right dude. yeah yeah you know? and, and you did it yeah it was funny because my manager called me like two weeks later to yeah. sign a nudity waiver yeah <laughs> and, and then when he found out from production i had already signed it yeah. <laughs> without him looking at it or yeah. anything yeah so I said, okay, it's fucking soderbergh yeah of course you, i'm gonna sign it i don't care what that thing says you gotta do it I, it's, it's i want to do it yeah. it's like you're gonna have to stop me from not doing it yeah unless steven has his reasons then right. I'll, I'll listen to him you respect that guy i, I love him i love yeah. and respect him i he, i wherever if you want to steer me to a wall there's a reason for it yeah yeah and I'm, and I'm gonna go right into it but you don't feel that about all directors no sir <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do any of the uh, uh, do you want to be in this scene for Tigerland mm-hmm. I'm like no I've got to cry in the next scene so I'd like to go back to bed um, yeah yeah these other guys it's their first film so they've got to pay their dues and do the shower scene the unwritten <laughs> shower scene in Tigerland because yeah. in Vietnam people really take showers that's the whole thing about Vietnam yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, the, here shower scene number seven yeah, because I'd yeah. be like, uh, because it was really early. It was so cold in Camp Blanding, Florida. Yeah, and I had a heavy, heavy scene. So you know, you like, you kind of psych yourself out. You go to these places. Yeah, and then um, I'm like, well, Colin Farrell and all these other cats have to do this scene, and I'm not in it, so I can I can rest and get yeah. to that place. Yeah, and then I hear. Yeah. I said, oh fuck! I'm like, uh, uh, Mr. Collins. Like, yeah. He goes, because I play private miter. Like miter. I said, uh, you want to be in the scene? I'm like, do I want to be in the scene? I was sleeping, brother. I got this fucking big. Ass. Are, are we on my scene right now? The one where I break down. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. It's just a, a scene they decided to add. I'm like, a scene they decided. To yeah, add. yeah. Um, is it a shower scene? Well, well, well you know, Colin Farrell's doing it, and someone else is doing it. So, right, but they have to. I don't. This yeah. is, I, I auditioned for this film. I, I, I No, I have a big scene coming. I need to focus for it. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. Please don't ever knock on my door for any additional <laughs> scenes of the sort. Now, and, and, that would, and what do you attribute that to? Attribute what? The, the adding scenes and expecting you to do it. Is that a director decision? Is that... Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I yeah. mean, you, you, your, your mind can wander wherever it wants sure. to, and I'm sure we could all figure yeah. it out. <laughs> But I, although I, I adored Joe, I had fun working with them. And but but with Jockey, this was sort of a a, a passion project. Yes, without a doubt. And also Clint Bentley, um, I, I and, and Greg Queter, I, I they're like brothers to me. I, I love oh, them really? so much. Oh, they they've got so much respect for craft. And, yeah. and they're such amazing, uh, open hearted. A generous collaborators, yeah. and it um, did well at the festivals, right? Oh yeah, I, I got I won Best Actor at Sundance. Uh, I got nominated for Independent Spirit Award, but nothing from the Oscars. No, nothing from the Oscars. We were hoping for that, and yeah. they, they were optimistic at a point. But did they pay for any juice? Um, I seems like you got to pay for the juice. It does, doesn't it? I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning this after 30 years. Yeah, except for that movie I was in with uh, Andrea Riceborough, where you know her friends just got on board. Oh, 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 uh, uh, to Leslie. Leslie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. Movie. Yeah. So she reminded me of my dad. 
Oh, yeah? Oh, oh no. Dude, I swear to God, Leslie killed that. Leslie Leslie had such beautiful nuances and ticks. Yeah. I was watching it going, okay, either one, you were you you a recovery yeah. a- addict, or two, uh, you have a relative that was an alcoholic, or yeah. three, you went to AA and you studied people. Yeah. There were some beautiful, I, I was just like, I was kind of jealous. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's such a good choice. Like, oh, where'd she come up with She's that? She's good, right? She's insane in it. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so, and you saw all the hoopla that came from there, but also it's not backed by a giant stick. Right. Or or any, or a big consulting firm or any sort of publicity, you know. It just feels like. I think that's going to happen more now. I think so too. It just feels, I started to feel, it seemed like the curtain was opening a little bit. Well, it just seems like if you can figure out whatever, do by, by whatever means necessary, rally people to your movie. The the big problem is, is too much shit. And nobody watches a lot of shit. And these consultants and publicists just force the shit down the pipe and people were like, I didn't see it, but it must be good because I like her or whatever. But then, like, somehow or another, she rallied people to watch the movie. You know, she acted the fuck out of it. Oh, thing. I was mesmerized. I was mesmerized. <laughs> yeah. Literally. And again, she reminded me of my dad. So, it's like, to have those. Because, you, you know, you could do the usual drunk, drunk thing. There's been drunks throughout, you know. She didn't do any of the usual drunk things. No, exactly. That's what made it so mesmerizing. It was wild, dude. It was beautiful. Because, like, the, you know, when you're at that level of alcoholism, you're not going to be like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're, you know, you're just in a different zone. You've adapted to most of it. But so, it's a minor shift. Yes. Right? Yes, 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 yes. Fuck, dude. But like in, uh, so what happened with Jockey? Did you get mad? No, I'm not going to get mad. It's funny. I had this conversation with, with Samuel and- um, He's your counsel. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> My go-to guy. Um, and I said, uh, I, in all honesty, I, I was just happy to be a, have a seat at the table, truth told. Yeah. Like this Independent Spirit Awards. Right. But you want people to see the fucking movie. That's the For other sure. thing. It's like, that's the weird thing. Like even like, I was talking to Tim Blake Nelson. He's oh, I the, loved him. Yeah. Loved you've him. worked with him yeah, before. Yeah, I have. Yeah. What movies? Uh, Nightmare Alley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, I, I wanted to do the Western with him because Potsy was a friend of mine. And when he called me, I was oh, man, I'd love to do this. Which Nelson. one? Old Henry? Yes. But I know Potsy. I've known Potsy from the country. Who's Potsy? Potsy's the director. Oh, okay. Uh, from the country music world. Okay. Because I directed a uh, Chicken Fried for Zach Brown, and we won a CMT award. Oh, you're a video director. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's where I met. That's where I first met Potsy. So we stayed in touch. He yeah. crashed at my house, and he called me to tell me about this film. And then we got Tim Blake. I'm like, oh fuck. I mean, Tim Blake's a beast. He is right. Oh, he's a beast. He's freaking insanely talented. Yeah. Yeah, so you and can feel it. And a good dude and a good dude. Oh, yeah. Very good dude. You, you watch him and you're just captivated instantly. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, but you've worked with some big directors, man. Right? Yes, sir. You've worked with all of, in, in Arudu. I loved him, yeah, on, on Babel. Yeah, that but, movie's another one. Like, between Traffic and Babel, those are big pieces, man. That was another piece I rewrote, too. You did? I did, because <laughs> I remember when he called me, I was doing this indie in Louisiana called Little Chenier. Yeah. And I was playing Cajun. I was playing Cajun there in the South Bayou's there. Um, yeah. When he called me, I had to talk to him on the phone. And then um, he calls me, and he's like, ah, Clifton, this, this piece, I, I love you for this role. And he was, he was basing it on, a, on another audition that Francine Maisler had done and uh. showed him something. It was completely not really related to a Border Patrol agent, yeah. but he saw it and he wanted me. So he pitched it like the scene, the opening scene to um, Midnight Express with right. Brad Davis yeah. with the tension and the, and the hash and the, and the guys are coming onto the plane and beautiful. Like, on the be- bus. Wasn't oh, it a bus? Oh, was it the bus? Where he's, where he's the pulling opening? the hash off Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's 
beat by beat, he's painting this picture for me. I said, I love it. And he goes, you know, the movie with the man with the hat. I'm like, oh, yeah, Midnight Express. He goes, yes. Uh, the actor, uh, Brad David goes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like literally finishing his sentences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I, I said, Alejandro, mire. I said, this is a beautiful scene, but yeah. that's not the scene in your screenplay. Yeah. He goes, on you're right. He goes, I'll fix it for you. <laughs> and Alejandro's filled with so much damn passion, yeah, he yeah. cannot say no. Yeah. But if you're that passionate, right. I want to jump on a boat and be yeah. as passionate as you and, yeah. and help fulfill your passion. Yeah. That's how you feel. It's a team yeah. effort. Yeah. So we get there, um, and, and I've got a lot of uh, re- police resources and stuff. So you um, do? Yeah, that was, that was the, the ride to hell. That was so scary. What? Because uh, <laughs> I, 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 I get to LAX. They want to fly me coach. I'm like, wait a minute, Brad Pitt's in this movie. What do you mean I'm flying coaches? Yeah. They've never flown me coach on any movie. Yeah. Something's going on. Oh, it's a Mexican movie. I called my new managers. Oh, you got to watch out, dude. It's my people, my people. Yeah, They're yeah. like, what are you, you got to, you're, rela- you're overreacting. I'm like, no, I'm not. Dot the I's and cross the T's. <laughs> we about to hit a shit storm. Yeah. Like, whatever, calm down, Clifton. Yeah. So I'm at, the, at Tucson Airport. It's tiny. Yeah. Like, when you get there, they'll be waiting for you. I said, great. I get there. Yeah. I'm like, hey, guys, uh, where's my driver? I'm like, oh, they said they're there. They've been there. I'm like, Okay, so you do a 360, yeah. and you can see all the windows. Like, yeah. okay, they're not here. Yeah. I wait 30 more minutes. Yeah. They finally show up. This girl shows up, this overweight, bigger Mexican woman, yeah. probably in her 60s. Looks like she's ready to go to a quinceanera. So much makeup, so much perfume. Yeah. And then they throw me in a white van with no windows yeah. that I'm sure is used by the cartels for kidnappings when it's not a production van. <laughs> right. I'm positive. Because yeah. the inside was really grimy. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, people try to get out of this before. <laughs> Come on. So yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is what it looked like. Yeah. And she's in the front passenger seat with the window open and we're driving i'm like i thought i could get some food at the airport but no because it's so small yeah okay now we're driving maybe we'll stop and get some food i noticed that the road is straight nothing but cactuses and rocks yeah i'm like holy shit so now it's starting to i see the bars on my phone starting to go away yeah. like there is no food coming up anytime <laughs> soon i said how far is the board like three hours i say oh my god i said what about food like there's nothing from here to there i'm like so they flew you into tucson to drive you to mexico <laughs> to puerto puerto peñasco yeah which now they have an airport there so you can right. fly into but at the time they did not Okay. So, yes, I'm like, fine, I'll wait to get and to the she's motherland. she's working for the projection. For the, for, for it, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you would think maybe yeah. not. Like, maybe they, they snuck her in somehow. Yeah. And I got to smell her perfume the whole time. Yeah. And I'm watching my bars disappear. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. fuck, if a tire blows, we're fucked. Yeah. Like, I've got a bag of, like, nuts and, yeah. and raisins sure. that I won't tell them I have. Yeah. And I'll escape. Yeah. And I'll go back. I already had a plan. <laughs> get out. <laughs> if we roll and the tire blows, because yeah. I won't have a signal. Wow. So I finally get there. I get to the hotel, like, ah, Mr. Collins, you're not supposed to be here for another week. Okay, well, here I am. So what do we do? I do not know. I'm like, okay, please. Who's, this? Who's talking to you now? The, the, the head of the, the owner or yeah. the person at the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm like, like so. You okay. got a room? Yeah. I, I'm like, here I am. So they, they put me in a room. There's no welcome basket. There's no script. <laughs> there's no per diem. The phone cables are yanked out of the wall. Oh my God. Yeah. So I'm Mexican. So I'm like, I can fix this. Yeah. So yeah. I start reconnecting the wires. Yeah, yeah. And I get some kind of signal and yeah. it's still not working. So I go now. So you got to put money down. I'm like, yeah. Here's my credit card. No credit card. No credit card. <laughs> okay. Where's the ATM? No ATM. What? No ATM. Do you got room service no room service like, what uh, yeah. what the fuck's going on here yeah. where's Brad Pitt yeah <laughs> <laughs> where the fuck's Brad <laughs> so so then they go um, they finally get me the uh, so I give them 50 bucks and they charge the fuck out of me I call my man I was like yo I you have to change Verizon before you cross into Mexico. Yes. You can't do it once you get there. Yeah. So it wouldn't work once I got yeah. there. Yeah. So now I'm sure now it's different but at the time so I finally get a script, and I, I go to Alejandro, and he goes, "Oh my God, he was right. I was supposed to fix that." He goes, oh, "I didn't." And I was like, "I was like, that's cool." Well, he was busy, and I saw yeah, how yeah. slammed he was. So yeah. I, I let three days pass, 
And then um, I finally, I'd already shot him some versions of it that he liked. I said, dude, do you want me to just kind of tighten it up and write some shit? And like, yeah. it goes like X, Y, Z. Could you, could you? I'm like, fuck, don't worry, dude. Just keep doing what you're doing, bro. Yeah. And what you see in the movie, even, um, uh, you'll hear me repeat some dialogue, which is very uh, typical of of just police procedural. Yeah, um, is is very simple, short commands, right. like no monologues. Right. It's like you know, stand up, sit hey, down, yeah. hands up, yeah. hands down. No, right. nothing to confuse people. Yeah, so that's why you'll hear me hear me repeat stuff because when we finish that scene, he said, "Just repeat what you're saying." Like, cool, okay. Yeah. So we did, and that all that dialogue is the shit that I. I still have the writing at home. I keep all my stuff that I rewrite it. Yeah, home. yeah. Just for the uh, for Jim, the Jim uh, Sheridan's films, brothers. I yeah. wrote a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. but and you keep it just for uh, just the, for fun. The, the, the papers just... when the papers go to the uh, whoever gets your estate, the, <laughs> the library that gets all the papers, perhaps. But like Pitt's whole his section was totally different, right? Yeah, it was a different, like almost a different story in a different it place. Was. It wasn't it was. Mexico, was it? No, nope. we I I'd, I had Gael Garcia. On my end, and um, yeah, I had some, yeah, I, I had some right. great, great people. But it oh, was, yeah. it was uh, just getting there was was just like a very <laughs> it's crazy. Okay. It gets worse. <laughs> it gets way worse. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and what, but this, but why be, was that? It wasn't his first movie, was it? No, no. I, it was I'm just not, the way it worked. It's just anytime my people are involved, you can expect. But that's not stuff. always true. I mean, I can't Almost. imagine that Del Toro. Always. Oh, you're right. No, no, no. The exceptions of Del with the top. Th- yeah, no, no, because no, no. now those guys are friends, and they are the big Mexican directors, For right? Sure. Yeah, but and Del Pedro. Toro, yeah. But but Del Toro seems very organized, and dude. Curon. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, Del Toro is meticulous. Um, <laughs> like I've talked to that guy. I love I love Guillermo. Yeah. Right. Oh, I I told him I said, dude, I love you so much. You almost turned me gay. Yeah. That's how much I love you. Yeah. He's like <laughs> so. he's so like meticulous. Yeah. And and just and and passion, passion, passion. Right. They both they're both very passionate, but it's different, right? It's a different type of passion. Alejandro's a little more rascally. Right, but like he's Latino like Latino rascally. Right, but he also seems like he's you know he's a guy that's that's dealing with the whole world, and it seems like Del Toro is a guy that's dealing with film. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> I do, I do. Did They're you... both passionate, but like you know, Del Toro's a total film nerd, and it seems like uh, uh, how do you say his name in in Arutu? Uh, you know, I you don't know I'm half Mexican, and I, and it's I, hard just, to, I desecrated. He every just time. he just feels it feels to me like you know it's like film never existed. <laughs> you know he he's inventing film every time he does it. Well, he did he did stray from his genres in that last film. Yeah, uh, Bardo's. Yeah, I couldn't get through it. Oh, I loved it so much. I got to oh, try again. God. It's so it's just so abstract, so wonderfully and poetically abstract. I love the Revenant. Oh. Is that what's called? Oh yeah, I love that's, that too. That's fucking oh, crazy. Oh boy, well it's like I thought about that a couple of weeks ago. I thought, damn, they really made Leo work for that Oscar. Not like he wasn't deserving before for so many performances, but this one of all, like they really made him work his ass. And that off. the other everyone in that was pretty good. What was his name? Is it Tom? What's the Tom Hardy? Tom Hardy yeah. was like that guy. I take like, his work. What the fuck is going on with that guy? Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's but a beast, a beast in the in the way that you respect, in the way yes, y- yes, you are, where you you know you disappear into these things. Mm-hmm. Like who the wh- where did that role even come from? Right. How about Bronson? Yeah, yeah. Bronson's something I watch every so often. What's it? Which one's that? Bron- Bronson's where he plays that that famous uh, inmate from uh, is it England? Yeah, England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've seen it. Oh, it's a magical indie. Oh my God, it'll yeah. blow. If you lo- if you were impressed by his work as an older actor, watch his stuff when he's young. Bronson is is a, it's mind boggling. Yeah, how good he is. I, I swear you you will just be. I've I've, I've probably watched the film five times. 
Yeah, it's, I wa- it's it's just mesmerizing, and, and they it's a prison, so they don't they don't speak to the the general prison tropes. Yeah, um, and it gets very also uh, abstract at times. Yeah, um, not on the Bartos. Well, kinda. Yeah, when you watch it, you'll see, and they they just do some beautiful. They take some artistic liberties that play so well into the the psyche of of what's going on to somebody that's been um, incarcerated for so long. Wow, what's it? What's his name again? Bronson. Yeah, what's the name of the actor? Tom Hardy? Yeah, Hardy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, my brain's going. I, I watched some, like, I watched some one where, like, I'm trying to, uh, he's like, I, I don't even know, like, in The, in the Revenant, mm-hmm. like, what accent was that? <laughs> right, that's a good question. But also, you, you got to remember the time period. So the, the accent's changing. We don't have access to actual... Um, recordings of those acts and oh, then so you he did that weird to... capone movie right that was that was that was uh that that was a stinker lock is the one lock is the movie i was thinking of it's called lock it's called lock oh wow olivia coleman's in it oh i love her yeah yeah it's a weird little indie movie and you know i it it's kind of a, a trip uh it it it's it, it talks it's it deals with a a guy who has a one night stand and he's like you know he's I, I you should watch it it's all him it's called lock l o c k e l o c k e it's all him okay i'll probably watch it today like in home. a car i'll probably watch when i get home like <laughs> it's it's kind of a crazy movie it sounds fun but so when you work with uh with Guillermo on Nightmare Alley you did two movies with him and right Pacific Rim yeah but Nightmare Alley this is like coming full circle around to you know your heritage yes, sir. and your your grandfather yes sir it's very interesting because like you know when i was looking around and I, I looked up your grandfather is that there there's something similar about the nature of your careers in that you, you know not so much i don't know his acting work but he did a lot of movies and he did a shit ton of little television and you've done you he's just a working actor at some point right and it's it was sort of interesting that you know it skipped a generation i guess but you know, here you are having a similar life, right? It's true. Uh, with the exceptions of he did a lot of, uh, because he came from a, a vaudevillian background. So you drew from that for your role in uh, Nightmare Alley? I actually learned a lot about it because I had started um, uh, doing research and, and starting to uh. kind of gather information to write his, his life story. Really? Yeah, and then Guillermo just... Put accelerant on it. Did he, he know your grandfather's work? He he knows his work. He knows the history. And, really? And more so, he sold the importance to me. He sat me down one day. We had dinner in his apartment, just two doors down from uh-huh. mine. Um, everybody had left already. You know, like Perlman had left, and Willem Dafoe had left. Everybody had left. It was just Guillermo me and, and his girl. Yeah. And um and he sat me down. He wanted to watch the jockey trailer, so we watched it. Yeah. And we'd been drinking a little bit of wine and cheese. And then um, he sits down. He goes, Clifferton, which he likes to call me Clifferton. Yeah. Um, he goes, Clifferton, cabrón, mira. He goes, you, you and your family, your legacy, mira, cabrón. He goes, you're, you're like the, you're like the pinche Latino, Latino Barrymore family, cabrón. And I said, no, you're not. I'm not worthy of that. That's not. Yeah. He goes, he goes, no, cabrón. He goes, you are. And he leans forward and he points. And he, he's a big dude. Yeah. But he leans forward like he's gonna lay hands on yeah. me. And I said, okay. I put my hands like, okay, yeah, I yeah, am. Yeah. I am. I said, but wouldn't that. Wouldn't that make me Drew Barrymore? Yeah. He's like, yeah. I don't you're right, but you can be whoever you want. I said, great, maybe I'll be uh, yeah. a Grandpa Barrymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or Great Grandpa Barrymore. Yeah. Because Ethel started in vaudeville as well. There was Ethel and Lionel, Lionel and John. Ethel and John. And, uh, yeah. I think that was the big three there, That right? was the big three. You're absolutely yeah. right. 
So, but you had more family that was in movies? I, uh, no, but they were all part of the carpa scene, and carpa is Spanish for ragtop. Yeah. The carpa scene was the basically Mexican rap top in Texas. What does that mean? That traveling show? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a tent that you could put up and put down and, and go to the next location. And that was your grandfather. That's how he started. That's how my great grandmother started. Your great grandmother in Mexico, and then she had to escape um, when Pancho so, Villa declared war. Because so you, so Guillermo knew about your great grandmother. He knew. He had ideas. He didn't really know. Uh-huh. Um, but since then, the research, I've, I've found information in different uh, artists' books, uh, remembering my, speaking about my great-grandmother, my great-uncle, my great-aunt. They were all in that, yeah. in the all carpa? Right, yeah, all of them were. They were from the carpa. So they were carnies. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. But my, my, my great-grandfather on my mother's side uh, was a medicine man, a contortionist. Um, um, he, he would loca- find the location, yeah. get the paperwork done. So he did, you did a lot of stuff. And, and in these situations, you often had two other entertainers uh-huh. that could do your routine in case you get sick or whatever. Right. So they could fill in for you. So that was sort of part of Nightmare Alley. The yeah, passing absolutely. on. So as as I was learning, they were kind of coming together. Cause at I was, the same time, coincidentally. Yeah, coincidentally, 100%, uh, Mark. That's a, one can argue, a yeah, coincidence. Yeah, is sure. it really coincidence? That's, yeah. that's why I feel like something else yeah. is. I like, get that Okay, sometimes. stop. Like, yeah. I've got enough signs. Like, sure. it gets creepy sure. sometimes. Yeah. It gets, yeah. not sometimes, it gets creepy a lot. <laughs> it gets creepy a lot until it goes away and then you're like, It's still beautiful creepy, I, though. Did I fuck up? Why am I, where's the creepiness? <laughs> no, it's, it's, no, well, I'm already in gay. I'm not going to stop because the voices are, or the things are. So, okay. So that's your great grandfather. Mm-hmm. So your grandfather started in that world as a kid. Uh, uh, yes, my great grandfather, both my great grandfathers, and both my great grandmothers. So, w- on my grandpa's uh, side uh, and my grandma's side. But this is all through your mother's family. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so Micaela was my grandfather's mother. Yeah. And she, and she was related to General Huerta. So yeah. she was Micaela Huerta Gonzalez. Wow. And that's Pancho Villa's sworn enemy. Yeah. And she was dancing for Pancho's men. Yeah. Oh, wow. In the theater. Yeah. And the carpas. Yeah. So when Pancho, or when, when, when Pancho Villa uh, declared war, um, she's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Because he's going to kill me once they find out I'm related to Huerta. Yeah. So she bounced and came to Texas. Yeah. At 17. Yeah. And you didn't need a passport back then. So right. So you paid a nickel. That nickel was the ongoing bribe. Yeah. And I remember asking my grandma about this. Hey, grandma, tell me about the more about the thing and the, yeah. and the the nickel and the bribing and this. And was it like the, you know, Harriet Tubman's Underground Railroad? Goes, no, mijo, it wasn't nothing like that. Yeah. Like, what do you mean nothing like that? No, yeah, just yeah. got in line and gave him a nickel. <laughs> like, that's so not yeah. cinematic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so boring. Like it was just an open, no menace. corrupt yeah. bribe. No yeah. menace. Yeah. No yeah. menace. Yeah. Come on in. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Nickel. Give me. A yeah. Nickel. <laughs> so, but you, but your grandfather. Like he was like a studio actor, yes, wasn't he? And he couldn't read. But, right, but he was used in westerns. Yeah, John. He was uh, under Bat Jack Productions, which was Duke's company. Oh, really? Uh-huh. So he did Real Bravo, High in the Mighty, Strange Lady in Town. He'd lend them out to other, yeah. um, uh, a, a corporate or other, uh, you know, other actors that had their own production company. Yeah, like, like when he did work with Glenn Ford and the Sheepmen, or Gria Garson in Strange Lady in Town. Or, and what are these parts? Because I can't like I saw Real Bravo, but like, are they just the 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 Mexican parts? Like well, slightly he, stereotyped? Uh, not Real Bravo. No, he, he owned the hotel. Oh, okay. Um, and he brought he brought uh, Duke um, all the uh, ammo at the end with the shotgun. Oh, okay. And he got in a, his a fight, and he's uh he's the one that puts the blouse up to Duke. Oh, oh, yeah, Duke right, would right. just take him off the leash. Duke just have like loved to have him around. Yeah, you know? so he was buddies with uh, John Wayne. Oh yeah. Duke, once Duke saw him on the Groucho Marx show, um, and then William Morris signed him. 
Uh, he did one film. He did the first 3D Western with yeah. Van Heflin called yeah. Wings of the Hawk. Yeah. And then after that, that's when Duke called. And, yeah. Um, said, I want to put him under contract for like 10 years. Wild. Yeah. And that's where he did all the film and TV work because he was on Bonanza and he was, mm-hmm. so he was working for Duke. Yeah. And Duke's brother directed him something. Robert, Robert Wayne directed yeah. him something I found called no The Vault. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. So you're doing all this research and you're finding all this out and you're watching all the, you could probably see most of the stuff, most of the TV stuff even too, right? Not just yet, but uh, I'm slowly getting my hands on some of it. I got I got a hold of the Jimmy Durante that he did with Robert Mitchum. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. What is that? It's uh, A the, Jimmy Durante show? Yes. A variety show? Yes. No shit. Oh, I got to send it to you. Really? Because it's, it's not on YouTube, but I have it. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it's fantastic. And he did Groucho Marx's show? Groucho Marx. So he's a real guy. Yeah. He's the only... Groucho uh, gave him a book, uh, which my grandpa couldn't read, but I, I read. And um, he's the only person that he mentions out of the whole show. It helped raise his ratings because he was going to go off the air. Oh, really? He calls Walter O'Keefe, who had a TV show. Not a TV show. He had a radio show. Because, you know, from like 19, yeah. was it 45 to 55, radio was like the big yeah. entertainment. So Walter O'Keefe had a show called Double or Nothing. Ah. I believe it was on NBC. And um, and Groucho called me and said, I need some help, man. I said, my show, my ratings are going down. Yeah. And they're saying I'm too hard on the customers. And um, I, I need some help. Yeah. Can you help me, buddy? Yeah. And, uh, and he got your granddaddy? Well, he did. Uh, uh, Walter O'Keefe had done. A, a, he emceed a charity event for cerebral palsy at WOAI radio station in San Antonio, Texas. Uh-huh. And my grandfather uh, worked there. Uh-huh. So he, he did everything. He was crew guy, camera guy, ran cables, would pick up money, would yeah. do the show, the dude ranch show. Yeah. He would do the comedian stuff. He would act. He, would, he did, did, did everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wild. So, and did he, you had a relationship with him, your grandfather? He was uh, more of a dad than my dad was, yeah. So you, okay, so you were able to you know, go right to the source for all this stuff, yes. a lot of it. Uh, yeah, well, actually, Joe Mantegna got me recording interviews on my grandfather probably 30 years ago. He, 90, oh, he, how did Joe Mantegna get you to do it? He told um, you he to was do like, it? He was Cliffy, he goes, you know, your, your grandpa, your grandpa's a, a legend, a legacy, you, you know, he's filled with stories that you gotta... You got to get all that stuff on tape. And yeah. You got to record it. So he kind of, he kind of, Joey kind of stayed on me for a little bit. Yeah. I'm like, fine, Uncle Joey, fine, I yeah. will, I will. Yeah. So, and I'm so grateful. Yeah. Because it wasn't till the end of Nightmare Alley that for some reason I remembered that I videoed him. <laughs> so, because I had about seven hours of interviews for my grandmother. Because once that, that night that Guillermo told me that, I went back to my room and I, I went through all the hours of grandma and I made all these index cards. Yeah. And when I finished, I went to bed. Yeah. And then when I woke up, I realized like, oh my God, I did those videos that Joey had me do. Yeah. So I got to go find 30 those. years ago? Uh, 97, 98. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. And you found him? Yes, sir. I knew exa- I knew they were in two places. Yeah. It's one of two places. Yeah. And I went and I found them. Wow. Got them all. Yes, sir. So. So what are you going to do with all this stuff? What are you going to do with your grandfather's life? Uh, well, I'm making the origin story. It's uh, You kind of look like him, right? I, that's what everybody keeps telling me. I've been trying to ignore it, but it's. You're going to play him? Yeah. <laughs> you see, I'm kind of hesitant. That's I know once I hop the fence. Yeah, but yeah, I've, I've been practicing his frying pans. What do you mean um, frying pans? Oh, well, that's that was one of his gigs. He uh, because they're so poor, he'd take bottles and fill them with water and yeah. hang them. Yeah, I've got a picture. Hang them. Yeah, from yeah. A, from an old uh, lead pipe. Yeah, okay, which I have the original lead pipe in well, my garage. Okay, and he would fill them with water. Yeah, and at a young age, from the age of seven, he started learning this. It's like a vaudeville trick. It was. Yeah, and then and then the frying pans. He had twenty four skillets. Yeah. 
And um, he'd play those. Yeah, he'd play them, and he'd bend the the tail, or he'd bend the handle. Yeah. Um, to to change change the um the pitch. Yeah. And also with the hammer, he learned later. Yeah. Which was hell on the family, probably at least the last fifteen years of his life because his hearing was going. Uh huh. And so he would do shows like twice a year, yeah. like in Wilcox, Arizona. He'd do the Rex Allen days, or uh, you know, he was he was. They still loved him at these certain places. Yeah. And they'd ask him. So you always knew when that time was coming because you hear him banging on these pain. I was like, bang, 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 yeah. bang, bang. And it's real fucking loud. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, oh, the Wilcox days is coming. Like, yeah, yeah, your grandpa's hey, tuning hey, up the band. Hey, like, oh my God. Like, grandpa, you need to hear anything. No, you're crazy. You don't need to hear anything. We heard that for years. <laughs> and the, and this whole life in Culver City? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. And the family still got the property? Just sold it not that long ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Was that sad? It was sad. It was sad. Yeah, because yeah. I grew up in that home, and I tap danced in that home from a young kid's age. You like were a I'm, tap dancer? Oh, I, yeah, I'm a hoofer. Yeah? Yeah, Grandpa got me hoofing. Really? He yeah. did that too? Oh, yeah, he did. Oh, he would steal steps. <laughs> he would steal steps all the time. He'd watch the Nicholas Brothers in New York yeah. at like 17 years old. Oh, back in the day. Because well, he got married. Um, my grandma was 15, he was 17, and they hit the road, and they went on tour. Did vaudeville? Yep, went to New York to perform at the Hispano Theater. Yeah. Um, with this woman. So he was watching those guys. Oh, yeah. He was just watching. They steal. all knew each other? I don't know if that he knew them. So there's a separate Mexican vaudeville or a Latino vaudeville? Uh huh. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. The Carpas. There's a black one and there's a Chinese one as well. Uh, right. Uh, the, well, the Carpas, is that what it's called? Well, for the Chinese. Uh, um, but that was like, uh, that was Texas. that was essentially Mexican vaudeville? Pretty much. And it would tour as such? Mm hmm. So, like, I wonder how, what, the, what the range was. Were, how was it mostly. In the South, or how far did Mexicans get it early on? Um, Arizona, New Mexico, yeah, right? Um, they, they, California, I, I've been probably. Yeah, they, the California. One of uh, his eldest sister, yeah, got, uh, got married to this uh, guy named Walter Weber, yeah, who had some success creating uh, like. He wanted to do Mexican-American ragtops, uh -huh. and they wanted to do it in English because my great grandmother only spoke um, Apache and Spanish, and she didn't want to do it in English. Yeah. You know, she was yeah. old school. Right. She didn't like swing dancing. So my wild, grandpa was man. a crazy swing dancer. My grandma was too. They'd they'd make money. They'd make ends meet with doing swing dancing. Wow, real hustle, man. They're so real like, badass swing dancers. So what are you gonna do? You can do like a, you're gonna write a movie. I already wrote it. You did? Yeah. Guillermo's got it. Um, Mike Judge has it. Roger Avery's got it. Mike Judge. That's interesting. Why that choice? Yeah, because he knew them and he's a dear friend. Oh. And I'm just trying to get. He uh, knew him. What do you mean? Yeah. He, oh, we we we'd go. I'm like, yo, let's stop by my grandma's and get some breakfast burritos. They're like, all right, let's go, man. Let's go get some breakfast burritos. Yeah. And then we go down. Like, holy shit, that's your grandma's breakfast burritos? Jesus Christ, I had green chili. Oh shit, <laughs> green chili. Well, I, he grew up in New Mexico. Yeah. Well, he was there for a while. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. How do you know him? Uh, uh, I auditioned for Idiocracy. Yeah. And we just connected then, even though he didn't hire me. I was like, damn, I could totally hang out with Mike. Mike's fucking yeah. cool as shit. Yeah. And then I ended up doing Extract, where oh, I get yeah, my, yeah, yeah, my yeah. get my my ball blown off. Yeah. My testicle. <laughs> just hanging by thread <laughs> so how far along are you in this movie thing so you got the script out to people uh-huh uh, and you I, want to direct it or yes sir I want to so you're looking it. for producer you're looking for money um uh, let, let's see what happens in the, yeah. in the Guillermo camp yeah because uh he was such a such a, a, a 
just a strong influence, and he knew sure. Grandma as well. Yeah. Um, he was like the one opinion that he cared about at the screening of Pacific Rim. Like he yeah. just went out. And, but then the same way uh, Bennett Miller and, and Philip Seymour, rest in peace, were concerned about what my grandma and grandpa thought when they saw uh, Capote at Sony Studios. Really? Yeah. Because like, why? Did she know him or something? Uh, they knew. They, they, Philip and Bennett knew who my grandpa was. But, you know, having worked with like Howard Hawks and Mervyn Leroy and yeah, William yeah. Wellman and all yeah, the old yeah. greats. You yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, like they just they beeline they just kind of went past the audience and beeline street what did your grandma say what did your grandma say I'm like oh, okay he, he yeah. loved it he yeah, loved yeah. it we're good <laughs> yeah like dude what's going on you can ask him, I'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah it was pretty special so you've been you've been practicing the directing though you've been doing videos and shit well I've done a bunch yeah. I've done like, for, like everything from the Crowning Crows to Slash um, but no uh, no features yet no features yet uh, I love shooting I love editing yeah. I'm just kind of a horror for I just yeah. I just love the process yeah yeah um, but I, I've recently because I've got so much audio on Grandma I, I actually had grandma um narrate some of the beginning because i didn't have the whole script ready yet but we've talked about so much of it yeah that i, I sat her down i said wita i said wita is what we would call her because as children we couldn't say abuelita yeah so we just say wita yeah. or wito yeah <laughs> um so we'd be like hey wita and as adults we still called her that. yeah uh, wouldn't it be cool if you could actually be the person to narrate Wito's story? So, yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. So I've yeah. got I've got hours of her. So what I've been doing, I've been harvesting her voice for yeah. AI through uh, 11 Labs. Really? Mm-hmm. What's 11 Labs? 11 Labs is a uh, an AI for voice cloning yeah. or voice recreation. Yeah. So I've been um, isolating her voice and taking out um, my voice and any high pitches or yeah, yeah. knocks, and, and I upload it to this app. And yeah. Then, and I can get her, I can type what I want her to say. Really? Yes, sir. How's it sound? Yeah. Correct? Oh, well, right now it's a little off, cause, and, and I just found the fe- <laughs> I just found this little button yeah. where I can, because it, it says English, but then if you look on it, you can make it go to Mexican. Yeah. So for the Mexican accent, because grandma's got not a, she looked very white. Yeah, but it had a, a unique accent. Yeah, being from Texas. Yeah, in Texas you never know. You get some like a straight up like full blown uh, KKK Texan. member. Yeah, <laughs> or Texan. Yeah, and you could be full blown like dark Mexican. Yeah, you know, or you yeah. could be full blown white looking and have the thickest Mexican accent you've ever heard. Yeah. so you just never know what you're getting. Right. Um, and that was the Jim Crow era too. My my grandma's youngest sister was the whitest. So if they were hard up for food, a lot of times. They would roll the dice and have her um, go into the um, the store to buy food, yeah, and risk risk getting caught and possibly killed. Really? <laughs> yeah, my grandpa would stop. I'm like, well, let's not go into that one. That one's dangerous. Oh, really? Or that owner's known to like fuck with Mexicans or yeah, yeah, yeah. But but um, the the so you want her to narrate, but it's going to be a it's not a documentary. It's an origin story. Yeah, and it, you... it, it pretty much ends when he gets signed by William Morris and goes to um and and leaves WAI. Okay, and but that's interesting that you're using the AI. Well, well I'm not 100% on that, but I want to have it ready in case. I like being prepared. People are just sort of like really just quickly adapting to it in a way that makes me nervous. No, I understand, but also <laughs> technology grows exponentially. Yeah, I know. And we're yeah. already at that phase where it's already, I mean, it went from 30% 
for passing the bar on Monday and by Friday to like a hundred. Yeah. So we're at that phase of the, the, the trajectory just like. Of technology. Yeah. It's, it's gonna, you blink and it's like already evolved. It's talking, you blink again and next thing you know, it's living with you. You blink again. It's Yeah. And it's, it's making, it's fast. counting how many times you're blinking. Yeah. It's moving super, super fast. Is, I've studied this. Uh, is this good or bad to you in your I, mind? I think it's. Uh, it's uh, inevitable? It is. It, it, I think it's inevitable. Yeah. I mean, we've already heard the things that have happened. And look at the Boston Dianetics or the, 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 the robots that they've been showing yeah, us. Yeah, I, I always say, look, this is what they're showing you. Just think about what they're not showing and, you. And you were in Westworld. I was in Westworld. Yeah. I was in Transcendence. Yeah. If you study, if you watch Transcendence, yeah. man, the documentary yeah. about all the technology coming together, because the internet's united. The, the singularity? World. Singularity, yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. I studied it, that a bunch. Yeah, and what do you think oh, of that? Scary. We, <laughs> we have no choice. It's just... You, we, we, we have no choice because we let it happen. Yeah, I mean, you could live off the grid, you know, in the forest somewhere. Mm. You could do that. But then everybody's connected in a way that you're not. I don't know. It's really what matters to you. And we mean everyone's connected in a matrixy kind of way? Well, in a, in a sense, like anybody can text me or sure, you. No, they I can get text that. us no, both I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. call and, us. And, but also, you know, we're part of algorithms and, yeah. you know, our desires are being mined and fed back to us through mm-hmm. our, our choices we're making that are being sort of recorded and observed by their by pieces of equipment that we've grown to rely on? There's shit that I don't say. There's shit that I think. You don't say around your phone? I don't say around my phone. <laughs> or or there's, there's, I've had some ideas that I've never yeah. even uttered. Yeah. Just, just because I... Well, you know, I, they got this stuff that they're picking up brainwaves now, dude. That's right. That's, that's right. When I heard that about the brainwaves, I'm like, well, that goes to show you that, you know, that we as humans are, are lazy in our uh, appreciation and understanding of the way we communicate without talking. Like, if the computer can pick up brainwaves and make images out of our brainwaves, you can tell us that other people can't do that as well? I mean, right? Sure, sure. Uh, but also there's other senses like, you know, body language. Sure. That that doesn't need to be verbalized. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you can tell or when your girlfriend comes up, you know, when she's mad at you, you right. know she's happy. Right. Or you know when she's happy. I guess you day. do feel that, yeah. yeah. So. Well, that aside, um, well, I hope that you make the movie. And what is this? Did you write or two? You do some, you wrote a book with your... I did. Prison Ramen. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> I, I donate 20% of the proceeds to Homeboy Industries. Sure, man. Father, Father Greg. Yeah, Father Greg. Uh, you know Father Greg? I, I love Father Greg. The, Father Greg and all the homeboys yeah. and all the homegirls over there. It's yeah. such a beautiful, it's a magical place. Yeah. Because I, I, I did grow up around a lot of uh, a gang activity as a young kid. In Culver City? Culver City, Inglewood, yeah. Watts, South Central. Yeah. Been shot at three times. You have? I, I got out of three carjackings. Yeah. I, I think I got two lives left. Yeah. I'm guessing. Well, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm cool at with that. At 52? You're 52? Yeah. yeah. Two wives should get you through. Um, yeah. I'm with you. I'm so with you. I'm yeah, happy. Yeah. I'm happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so I remember the first time walking in there, I... I uh, to Homeboy? Yeah, into Homeboy yeah. Industries. I, I saw a, a Latino. I saw Northsiders, Southsiders, white gangsters, you know, black gangsters. And I was like, oh, shit, it's about to go down. I went straight to my <laughs> fight or flight. Yeah. I put my back against the wall. I knew where the exits were. Yeah. And then and then I, I realized, like, oh, my God, everybody's here to be in, of service. Yeah. And my eyes just watered up. And I was trying to hold the tears back. Yeah. I don't want them to see me breaking. Yeah. Because I, I realized <laughs> yeah, how much yeah, yeah. love was in the room. Yeah. I was overwhelmed by the uh-huh. love. It was beautiful. And I sat down with Father G. He gave me a, a recipe. So, yeah, a childhood buddy of mine, 
It did some time, and um, I went to go visit him after the Chino riots. I was, like, one of the first people there. In prison? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I went to go visit him, and uh, seven out of the eight cubicles, when you're getting ready to transfer, he was was a clerk uh, at that time because he had done a lot of time, and and he had that stature. Uh, But he was the last module to not get burned. So even when I was sitting with him on the yard, uh, you could still smell the the burning embers, the wood. Like, when a forest burns, you smell it. I could still smell it. When was that? Was that uprising? A riot? Yeah, it was a riot. Yeah, yeah. It was and a riot. Chino, yeah. And it was it was a warden that wasn't paying attention to the house rules, as we say. Yeah. Um, and they paid the price for it. So, yeah. and then he got removed. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I, I've got photos of like Schwarzenegger walking through the prison and, yeah. and blood on mattresses and broken porcelain sinks. Those and, prison riots are nasty. Oh, dude. they're totally not. And it could have been prevented, but uh, just arrogance. Literally. So your 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 buddy survived. He did, and we took from his diary. I I, I selected a, a handful of stories which were very engaging. Yeah, and then I, I we just polished them. We polished yeah. them while I was doing this pilot in North Carolina. I'd left my computer at home. Like, I had that visual when I was on the plane going, oh, shit, it's charging on my table. How am oh, I going to do the fuck. rewrites? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. On my damn phone. My thumbs were so fucking sore, Mark. Yeah, but it's weird that you can make the adjustment, right? Well, you're driven. Well, yeah, I know, but, yeah. like, I, I you know, you, I you, there's always something. Yeah, and you did it? I did even goose even goose was like yo buddy you look pretty tired man why don't we just do this polish tomorrow i'm like no dude we got to motor through i tomorrow's an easy scene they got makeup for you don't worry about it. we got to finish this yeah you know and you did it <laughs> yeah we did. and and what is the book it's just his it's, uh, so it's edited a, versions of his writing it is edited yeah. there's uh there's they're all original ramen recipes from prison yeah they're all very real recipes um, and then with every recipe, we affiliate a, uh, a story, yeah. um, you know, in, in hopes that uh, the youth will pick up on it. What's the recipes? Just all ramen. Cause, and ramen's taken over as a force. Uh, uh, so it's all prison. Of, it's for prison. Like, that's what they can do in their cell. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and, and it's different in different prisons because some yeah. prisons allow farming. Others do not. Yeah. Um, some prisons allowed extra stuff from the outside. Others yeah. do not. Yeah. So it really depends. And it, and it changes throughout. And it's a quick, it's a quick fun read. And I had so many friends come to help. I mean, yeah. Sam Jackson did the intro. Oh, and, wow. And uh, Father G and Shia LaBeouf and Taryn Manning. and um, Have you worked with that Shia fella? Clancy Brown. Yes, sir. I did, I did two things with Shia. I did um, Honey Boy, oh, which yeah. is a very special film. I saw that movie. Wait, well, hold on. Who were you in that? I played his counselor. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like the one positive role model he had in his entire life. Right. Jeez, man. You're yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it was special. Yeah, that guy's intense, man. He is intense. I, 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 I you know, I think all great artists, are, uh, we, we have our demons. And they get off our leashes. I think a lot he is a very good, gifted guy. He's insanely gifted, and he's he's very. Um, it's just hard when you can't control your own emotions, and you yeah. feel yeah, it's like we one of the th- things. If you can't control one of the things, you know what I mean. You go you through know, these traumas. It's a problem. If you it can't is. control two or three, you're in trouble. You're right, brother. You're right. Well, then you, you get then you got to be good at getting out of trouble. <laughs> sure, you got to getting in, getting yeah, out yeah. of trouble. You have to go to the place to. I mean, Lord knows, make up for it. Yeah, he's he's gotten out of trouble quite a few times successfully, and I'm, yeah, I'm thankful. Yeah, but but just like Dennis Hopper, you know, he he, he had I said, Dennis, you've been like. You've been blacklisted three times. Yeah. I said, how do you come back? You're an easy rider, and then you came back with Blue Velvet, and you came back. He's like, you know what? You know, Gonzalez, uh, honestly, they said uh, they said I was difficult to work with. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah. I said, oh, hmm. uh, were you? Yeah, I was. I said, oh, well, why? He goes, because ah, I, uh, you know, Jimmy. 
James Dean. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jimmy and Monty, Mon- Montgomery Clift, yeah. uh, love to do their own blocking. Yeah. And uh, I'm not Jimmy or Monty. Yeah. I was like, duly noted. Okay. Okay. Because <laughs> Dennis and my grandpa yeah. were contract players under Duke. Yeah. Je- De- Dennis, uh, my grandfather, James Dean, um, Nick Adams. Yeah. Alfalfa from Little Rascals. Uh-huh. They were all under uh, Bat Jack. Really? Mm-hmm. So you're so. When did you meet Dennis Hopper? I met Dennis in '91 on a Paul Schrader film. Which one? Um, it was called. Oh, was it, was it called Witch Hunt? Uh-huh. I think it was called Witch Hunt. Huh. It was a uh, oh that famous author that I love. Not H.P. Lovecraft. Was it H.P. Lovecraft? I don't know. I think it was Witch Hunt. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know about this movie. Yeah, and Paul, and Paul Schrader. Wow, it's a Paul Schrader movie I never heard of. Yeah, which it's was you and Bogosian, Debbie Mazur. Oh my, yeah, like, honestly, Ann Miller. It was great to obviously work with a legend like Paul Schrader at yeah. that at, at that young of an age because I was very well aware of who he was. Yeah, I, I knew all kinds of history about him, which surprised him. But the fact that Debbie Mazur was in it was my like Debbie Mazur's in it. I'm doing it. Yeah, <laughs> she was something. Oh, I had the hugest crush on her, and then I uh, ended up dating her years later. You did? I did. Huh. I still got a Polaroid. That I took from, or actually, that makeup gave me. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, Dave Mazur. I said, can I have this? <laughs> like, yeah, I still have it. I still have it. And then Dennis and I would stay friends, like, through the whole whole thing. Like, we, we were pretty tight, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I loved hanging out with Dennis. It was, Uncle Dennis was cool. I went to his funeral in Taos. And- yeah, my buddy's married to his daughter. Oh, really? Steve Brill. Do you know Steve Brill? Um, I don't know. Maybe, oh, yeah. Maybe my face. I went out to the grave when I was in Taos last. Oh, the penitente. Yeah. Yeah. Something man, Penitente. That's a real, that's a real old timey graveyard. Well, a there. lot of people don't know the Penitente exists out there. I was well, doing transcendence at the time, and Rebecca Hall's brother had flown in from England in an attempts to do a Penitente documentary. Well, I, I grew up in New Mexico, so the, yeah, so the the Penitente is up by Algodonas, and so you knew about this. Well, I know about the Penitentes. Gotcha. What are you talking about exactly? Pen- I mean, they've been around a long time. Yeah. Well, he couldn't find anything, and who couldn't find uh, anything? Rebecca Hall's um, a brother. So that. So you're telling me that that the it was the, like secretive, right? But Dennis, that's a Penitente cemetery. Yes. Okay. And and um, Robbie Romero, his godson, who's yeah. Apache, um, uh, had to get Dennis asked him to get special permission from the high priestess. He was like, huh. Yeah. High priest, what are you talking about? Yeah. Penitente. Like, huh? Penitente here? In Taos? He was like, yes. Well, why wouldn't they be? It's all over New Mexico, right? Isn't that where most of I it don't is? Know. I mean, most, I, from my recollection, they were out by uh, Espanola, uh, Algodones, but it was like, you know, that it's this sort of yearly Catholic beating the shit out of yourself thing, right? Mm. Uh, well, they did have two strong, well, you've been there. So, you know, there's this two, two buildings at the entrance. Where? At the, at at the, the, at the cemetery? cemetery. Yeah. And, yeah. and one's a stronghold that, that has like the people and the guns and this and that. And it looks like it's empty, but it's yeah. not. They're yeah. constantly watching. Yeah. So, you're really careful what you do. Right. Yeah, because we went a year later for Robbie to do the, um, the, the four prayers to the north, south, east, and west. Uh-huh. So, he did a full-blown Apache um, so wait, the, so what are the penitentes in your understanding? Um, I started to do a little bit of research. It comes from Spain. You got the flogging yeah. and all of that yeah. stuff. So for one understand, it still happens, but who knows? Yeah. I don't really know. Yeah. And neither did Robbie at the time. He yeah. grew up there. Yeah. Huh. You know, so it was very secret. And what was Hopper's relationship with them to get buried there? I don't really know. Neither did Robbie. Because Robbie, Robbie was shocked when he heard it. 
like he was like, "What do you mean? Like this is like the first yeah. time we're having this conversation." Uh-huh. Like he he grew up with because it's a fairly nondescript grave, other than what people leave there. It's a beautiful crucifix. All of it, yeah, yeah. But, and then people just go as a pilgrimage and seem wow. to leave stuff there. I don't know when the last time you were there was. I was there like a year ago. Oh wow! And it's just covered with stuff like little motorcycles, so, all that kind of shit, easy rider stuff. Sure. Yeah, I I've been there twice. Um, the first time I went, we were followed by a, a line of choppers. Because huh. they circled the, the, the church during yeah. the whole ceremony. Oh, oh you Henry, mean when you were there at the funeral? Yeah, Henry, okay. was, Henry was speaking, and, and, and Jack Nicholson was next to me, and he was— Oh, Nicholson came out? Yeah, it was beautiful to have him. He came out for the star ceremony as well, was very friendly, was waving at all the tourists, like like you never see Jack. Mm. Just so open-hearted, like yeah. the way you've never seen him. You work with him? I have not. I would love to, but— um, and we had, I we think had, he's done. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. But uh, so we were just circled by these motorcycles and they came to the, the funeral and they let them in to the Penitente Cemetery. Yeah. And I just remember Jack turning around and he goes, as they started to lo- lower Dennis in a a pine a little a yeah. literal pine box sure. like you see in the old West movies. Well, it's like the Jews do that. Yeah. Really? Pine box. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, full blown. So they're starting to lower it, yeah. and then Jack turns around and goes, "Give them hell, boys!" <laughs> and so they did a twenty-one rev salute. Yeah. Like, oh, really? Wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrong. It was wow. heavy, and Val Val Kilmer was there. Yeah, well, he's living in Santa Fe at the time. Yeah, it was. It was great to run into him there. And it's like, I'm hanging out. With Did Gene Hackman come up or anybody? I didn't see Gene. Oh, yeah. uh, um, but there was a... Um, there's so many of his friends were there. Did, uh, did Fonda? Seymour Cassell was there. No, Fonda did not come to the star ceremony, nor nor the funeral. And I, I'd worked with him a few times afterwards. And, yeah. Um, I felt really bad because I was so close to Dennis. Yeah. And I was such a fan of Easy Riders. Yeah. Um, but then when I, when I started to... He started to tell me about Henry... And uh, and the book that he wrote, Henry. Uh, oh, Fonda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he started telling me about the book. It's Who called, this is? Oh, uh, Peter. Peter told you. Yeah. yeah, he said it's called "Don't Tell Daddy." I think yeah. it's called. Um, and when I learned about the trauma that he'd gone through, I, oh, yeah. I just gave him a straight pass. I'm like, I can't hold anything against them. I don't know what their history is. Oh, I'm, about Peter? But between Peter and Dennis, I mean, I know what Dennis oh, has told oh, me oh, and shared, oh. and I know what I've read, and I know what I've heard from other people, but... But after you heard Peter's story... About what he went to his dad, oh, yeah, I was dad. like, okay, I, I gotta, like... Yeah, you know. guys, he had problems, dude. Yeah, Henry was not cool. Not cool? No, it was bad. I think that's where that whole rebel thing came from, you know, because sure, even man. before Easy Riders, he had the... Uh, Hell's Angels? I think a Corman no, wi- movie, Wild right? Angels. Was it Corman movie? Was it Roger yeah. Corman maybe? Yeah, was it called Wild Angels? I, I don't know. I, I don't, I, it, it just a, sounds like. A biker, that's where Satanism was big. Oh, so yeah, you yeah. like, oh, the Satanic, like, woo. Yeah. That's I was like, oh, God, Satan. The B-movie biker movie. Yeah. The B-biker movie. <laughs> I love those things. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was great talking to you, buddy. Oh, my God. It was such a joy. I, I was uh, so excited. This is the highlight of my week. Oh, good, man. No, I, I, I've been, I was so sad when I, I couldn't make it that first. I'm like, oh, my God, I watched all the specials. I watched all of Mark's stuff. I well, just... It was so funny because they, they like, I'm like, what happened? It's like, he fell off his bike. <laughs> <laughs> literally. A literally. bicycle, not a motorcycle, a bike. Yeah, literally fell off his bike. And, and now we know two blocks, a block from his house. Not even. It was in front of my driveway. Oh, wow. I, like the gate was still open. It hadn't oh, closed yet. It was well. a crack. I was like, okay, not going to the gym today. Well, I hope uh, I hope the full recovery is on the horizon. Yeah, we're good in a couple weeks here. Thanks, buddy. All right, brother. There you go. Uh, you can watch Jockey currently on Stars, and you can rent or buy it on streaming video platforms like Apple and Amazon. And it is a very specific, very personal, and very, you know, um, it's kind of a, a heavy, beautiful movie. 
I recommend it highly. Okay, look, hang out for a minute, will you? Hey, folks, this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. You know all those times you've heard guests sneeze on the show? Well, actually, you don't hear any of that because we cut the sneezes out when we're editing. But take my word for it, people definitely sneeze in here, and when they do, I've got a box of Kleenex on the table right in front of them so they can use one and get right back to business. And here's what Kleenex means to me, a tissue that will hold up. We've all used those other tissues that you blow holes right through. When I see Kleenex, I know that tissue is up for the job. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Okay, folks, in case you missed it, we dropped an episode in the free feed yesterday called The Full Marin Year One. If you aren't already subscribed to The Full Marin, this is a collection of some of the bonus material we've been posting every week for the past year. So go take a listen and then sign up for The Full Marin by clicking the link in the episode description. And if you have a Full Marin subscription, you can hear the latest episode that went up on Tuesday. It's me and Kit talking about Godzilla. I don't think that Americans are equipped to understand that Godzilla is, like, Godzilla means a lot, you know? Like, right. every American Godzilla movie, he's just a silly dinosaur, or there's, like, an overwrought plot, like, in the new Legendary Pictures movies. There was, yeah. like, a Godzilla in 2014. Yeah. And then, like, a Godzilla in 2019 that I saw yeah. at a drive-in movie theater. And no good? It was fun to see it at a drive-in movie theater, but no, it was crap. Like, there's this, like, there's this, like, plot in the American movies that they're still making. Yeah. That Godzilla is an an ancient alpha predator from an ancient race of alpha predators called yeah. titans. And there were dinosaur titans and there were ape titans and they all lived at the center of the earth and mm. were worshipped by you. It's stupid. It's, it's like, a lot of backstory. Why, why do you need all that it Sounds shit? like uh, sounds like uh, Scientology. <laughs> I know. Again, go to the link in the episode description to sign up or go to WTFpod.com and click on WTF+. Here we go. I think uh, I think I'm finally. I think I think Rory Gallagher is seeping in. That's all I can say.
Boomer lifts. Monkey LaFonda. Cat angels everywhere. 